Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Keys went a man! Oh, I can't believe it! Jordan C. Yeah! No. <laughs> he's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. He's rubbed his nose. Yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? Might be trying to shake the sweep one after that first one. Might try and slide one in there. Fast. Let's run out. Let's come off yeah. head on no, his head on the You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook BBL podcast, ahead of round seven of the Big Bash season. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Very, very big round of the competition approaching us. Three teams on the double, a handful of sides out to have a boost up their sleeve. Some do, some don't. Some have two. Uh, here to talk through it with us. He hasn't been on for a couple of rounds. He's been a busy man over the Christmas, New Year's period. Uh, on the side, though, he's been absolutely flying super coach as a shock to absolutely no one. Dual defending champion, Andrew Langley, currently 72nd overall. Andrew, mate, three-peat incoming. <laughs> I wish. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been pretty happy with how things have gone. Um, not sure I might have cost myself the season, though, with uh, um, using my first boost for the season last night and bringing in Baisley. That went really <laughs> well. So um, I'll have to see how I recover from that one. Andrew, what's it feel like to uh, make your first mistake in three years of super coaching? <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I make plenty of mistakes. It's just people seem to notice the wins more than the losses. He's a mere mortal, this man. He's made a blunder. That The ironic thing about this is that there's still a game to go in the double for Baisley and the strikers. So you watch him come out and take seven for 10 and hit 80 off 40 balls. And uh, we'll be on the next episode having a good old laugh about it. Also with us is a man who... Up into the last round, and he'd been in some pretty red-hot form. I tend to try not to get him on the podcast when he's going well because he's a pain in the ass, and when he has a bad week, we get him on. Uh, but he's a super coach spy who – spy, you, you're going all right, mate. Boys, was going okay heading into last round and then dropped about 800 spots <laughs> on the back of <laughs> the bloke that haunts my dreams, Bo Webster. He's um, he's a good player, that man. And I even – I think I spoke about it on the podcast and I even wrote it in the article – how he's basically the only bloke from the stars I wanted outside of Maxi. Somehow that led to me not getting him. No, nah, there was some logic behind it. He was pretty expensive and I just missed the boat there. Hoped he'd go cheaply. He didn't bowl, but he's just too good. He just finds a way to score runs, uh, take catches, whatever it may be. Every ball that went in the air last week, he seemed to be under. 
bastard. But uh, anyway, <laughs> what I can tell you, boys, is I'm going to absolutely load up on Baisley in the next match uh, for man of the match because Andrew, <laughs> Andrew doesn't get his boost wrong too often, so he's due. Oh, I wish I was as confident as you. <laughs> if he is a, he's an absolute magnet in the field, Bo Webster and Spy, if he haunts your dreams, you have no idea what Sammy Harper does to my dreams, mate. <laughs> a bloke who, a bloke at 100K who has single-handedly riddled my season. I think it was the one bit of advice I took off Andrew this season. Here we are. Anyway, we won't point fingers. The Kuma Stallions. We had an absolute belter in round five, 189th overall for the round. Thank God, needed it desperately. Got us up to pretty well on the dot 5,000 and then um, back to the pack for the season in round or whatever it was, round six, round five, sorry. Round four was a good one, round five, the tough one. Dropped to the low 5,000. So uh, hasn't quite been our season, unfortunately, but going all right this round and Hopefully, Captain Jai Richardson bags an absolute haul in the, in the second game for the Scorchers. And we, we can see a bit more green going into the next round. On this week's episode, we are looking at the Champions Run Home strategy. Andrew Langley is just going to have a little bit of a chat about how he's approach, approaching the, uh, the final three rounds at the pointy end of the overall rankings. Is he going to be conservative, aggressive? Is he looking for pods? Is he looking for pod skippers? We're also going to have a look at the option of do we sell Maddie Short, likely at over $300,000. He's not bowling at the moment for the strikers, so it could be a big way to fund some trades on the run home. The Hurricanes, the Heat and the Scorchers are on the double in game week seven. We will deep dive into those sides. We're going to drop our trade and skipper plans for round seven uh, and wrap it up with a few listener questions. Guys, a shout out to the SC Playbook BBL DNP Cup League. This is made up of a bunch of SC Playbook subscribers, their first overall in the 16-team league. So absolutely flying. Uh, Good luck to those fellas. And I don't know if there's any girls in it, but uh, if there is, to the girls too. Uh, If you are enjoying the SC Playbook content, do us a favour. There's a ton of good stuff on our social channels. We separated that from our normal SC Playbook channels and socials at the end of last year. So we've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go give us a follow at SC Playbook Cricket. We'll be running 12 months around with heaps of stuff following on from the big bash season. Let's get to you, Andrew, before we get into our big questions and our double game week previews. As I mentioned, you're sitting in 72nd overall. We, you know, I know that you're well placed going into into the end of it because you're playing so far ahead. You have your numbers right. You have your double game weekers right. Uh, I suppose first and foremost, uh, how are you feeling going into this, and and how does how does it compare to the past two years that you've won it with a few rounds to go? Yeah, how am I feeling? I'm never confident. <laughs> I tend to just play and, and hope things fall my way, and and they they have the last couple of years. I'm just looking up. I can tell you at the same stage last year, I was 405 points off the lead, um, and I'm currently, what, 311 off, so I'm a bit closer to first than I was last year. But I'm probably not quite as confident with where my team's at compared to the ones in front of me. I've looked at some of those teams in the top 10 and they've got some pretty good setups happening. So they're going to be hard to catch. I'll definitely be looking for some pod plays. And as you know, once you start making the pod play, that's usually when things start to go undone and you go backwards further than you go forward. So 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I figure I've got nothing to lose. One advantage of winning, winning a couple of times is I've got nothing to prove. I'll just um, I'll play out the season and have a bit of fun. Enjoy the ride, mate. Not like there's uh, 25K on the line, just another 20K in the back pocket for, for A Langley. Mate, you mentioned potentially a few pod plays to round out the season and try and make up that ground. You mentioned that points-wise you're closer than you were at this stage last year, uh, but potentially not as comfortable, uh, optimistic, I should say, towards taking the title. Uh, are you looking in that case to get uh, more aggressive than you would have liked for the final three rounds and, and go with those pod players, whether it is pod skippers, low ownership players, or or do you think that you can play it conservatively, back the fact that you've got a lot of double game week numbers to come and that can get you home? How are you approaching it? Yeah, so I'll, I'll probably take a bit of a balanced approach. I think sometimes it's easy to get caught in when you want to go for a pod play, you just go for every single pod there is. Um, you only need to make one or two player decisions that can make a big difference. You just make the right captain call if you go for a different captain, a la Bo Webster in round three, was it? Um, and then or one or two players on field, and you can pick up 100 points quite easily. So you yep. don't need to go stupid. Um so I think I'll do a balanced approach and, and my approach will change depending how I'm going each round. This current round has only been two games. I'm not going as well as others. I'm probably just sitting about average this round, so I could fall further behind the lead. So that might make me do a few more, a couple more out there things next round. If I end this round in a good place, I might just continue to play conservatively. And I can't, it's too early to call. And I guess one thing I do pride myself on is I try and be as flexible as possible. As the season unfolds, as rounds unfold, I don't get too set. Whilst I'm planning ahead, I'm not locked in that I'm definitely going to bring player X or player Y into my team. I'm, I'm happy to chop and change depending what's what we're being dealt. And this year, it's usually weather-related. Yeah, the weather has played... You know, you feel like we have this conversation every year through the Aussie summer, weather playing havoc on the BBL Supercat season, but... I don't know, Spy, is it just me? Has it been worse this year or is it just the fact that I'm not ranked very well and I'm trying to find an excuse nah. to get out of that? Get out of that. To be totally honest with you, I made a decision mid-last year and heading into this year that I wasn't going to worry too much about the rain because they just tend to get on. Yeah, it's hurt. <laughs> it's definitely hurt. Uh, it's been a couple of times uh, a few of my guys have been rained out and whatever's happened, I've loaded up on these matches. So hasn't been ideal. Obviously impacts everyone, but um, maybe if you went the other way around this year and backed the rain to actually come in, could have had a bit of extra, extra success. But we never know, do we? A storm could hit from anywhere or, to, or go around a, a ground from anywhere. Just one of those things. That's cricket, BBL. Boys, Matty Short is going to be once he's been a big talking point all season. Which, uh, when there's double game rounds and you're that good a cricketer and you have a role that chops and changes, you're always going to be a big talking point here in the game of Supercoach Big Bash. Now, next, when this round finishes, round six, we head into round seven. Matty Short is going to be priced at around three hundred thousand dollars. He hasn't been featuring with the ball regularly in recent matches, even early on in the tournament. Got a few overs here and there, but nothing too, too substantial. No more double game rounds to come. Uh, I'll start with you, Spy. And, like, obviously, ideally, you want to hold him for those final threes because he's one of the elite players in the game, even when he's not bowling. I think he's the top run scorer for the tournament. I think he just about topped it late. Might have been second last year to Aaron Hardy or thereabouts. But... If we're looking to make moves, Matty Short, while at the moment he's pretty well bad only, Darcy Short actually bowled over him uh, in last night's fixture. 
is he a bloke that you're looking to potentially sell as a pod move and just to bank a bunch of cash for pretty much all your trades for the run home? What are you thinking? As always, mate, team dependent. If you're flush with cash, there's no need to sell him. If you're really, really in need of cash and you can make the trade worthwhile with regards to getting, say, for example, two quality all-rounders, both on the double, you get four hits then. I don't mind doing it then. Personally, I'll be trying to hold. He's got a couple of games left at Adelaide. Then down in Hobart and Monica, all pretty good batting tracks. <clears throat> Last night, in Great Perth, death. honestly, <clears throat> excuse me, I backed against him. I didn't even look at him as a skipper. I just thought, good antipod opportunity. He didn't bowl, so I was here cheering. Thought Jai might knock him over early. <clears throat> he put him straight through covers a couple of times on the front foot there. <laughs> the bloke's an absolute gun. Um Honestly, lucky to get away as a non-captain with what we did. I will not be selling him unless I absolutely have to. I'd do it as a pod play late, maybe the last round if you're sort of looking to catch up some ranks or, you know, you're sitting 100th and you want to try to get top 10. I don't mind that play because he can any batsman can get a duck, but long-term over four, three or four matches, I'll be holding pretty tight unless I can get some serious value outside of um, selling him. Yeah, and it's an interesting one in terms of squad value because there has been a lot of rain-impacted matches this season. I'm not sure where it compares to, to previous season squad value, but maybe generating that cash has been a little bit more difficult than it has been in the past. It might be looking okay, and I dare say Andrew knows. Uh, but we look at guys like Glenn Maxwell, who's going to be top, top, top dollar. Anyone who sold him this week with an eye to getting him back in a week or two, they're going to have to get him back in. Dan Sams is a bloke that I sold this round. He has the double for the Thunder in the final round. He's only going up in price, uh, more than likely there as well. Going to need to get him back in. Going to need cash to do all this. Uh, what are your thoughts around all that, Spy, with these? A lot of good players we need to get back into our teams. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that's a perfect example of, say you can't afford Dan Sams into his double in the last round, I would absolutely sell short if I'm picking between the two of them. Uh, yet basically Sams batting twice and bowling twice, happy days. But I'll tell you what, I'll make a prediction now. I'm pretty sure Matty Short's going to score a ton with the bat before this tournament's out. So, look, he may not, but I just he just looks so damn good. Spy, I'm still waiting for Quinton DeCock's ton, mate. A couple of... Actually, probably will have happened by the time this goes live. <laughs> Andrew, Matty Short, where do you sit on it, mate? Do you, do you think it's a, a viable prospect to sell him? It'll be interesting to see what he scores this round and what his break-even will be because he's going to be priced high. I can see an argument to sell him next round and then bring him back mm. for that um, when no one's got the double the following round. If he's got a high break-even and he's more than likely going to lose cash next round, to make a plan to sell him and bring him back in. And the reason I say that is next round, a lot of teams are going to be well set for the doubles. They're going to be really high with doubles players, and some people have kept Maxwell, they've kept Sam's, um, some will keep short, but you probably haven't got three spaces on your team. You're probably going to play doubles ahead, and one of those players is going to miss out. So um, I don't have Sam's. I'm Part of my tinkering for next round is maybe using short to get Sam's back in my team and then planning things so I can get short back for round eight when, when that's going to be a really important round when there's not many teams, well, no one's got to double that round. Yeah, and that's it. Look, I'm sitting on, after my trades this week, I'll have 10 for the double. I'll have a few stars, players who play in the first game, who'll be looping opportunities as well if they go all right. So, you know, are you going to play Matty Short over 
you know, all your double game round players because I imagine a lot of teams will be pretty similarly placed with anywhere from sort of eight, nine, all the way up to 11 double game round players. So, look, I, I'll be looking long and hard about it. I'm kind of in the position where at my rank, I'm like far out. of Whether you finish 7,000 or finish 2,000, there's no major, major difference. So, may as well have a bit of a swing at it. But even putting uh, all of that aside and looking logically, as good as the Dexter is playing, as good a form as he, he's in, even if he does come out and get a good score, if you can get in some gun players who are not only on doubles, but, uh, you know, someone like a Sean Abbott, who's a proven performer in Suka, someone like a Tom Curran, who is back in the mix now after his little band. So I can see where even if, Matty, you do sell in, you cash in, you get gun players in your team, those points could come back. And if Matty Short does fail, big, big moves potential it is risky, especially with those decks that you mentioned, Spy. Uh, but I don't mind it at all. What do you think? Yeah, I was going to say it'd be good if you played early next round because you could just put him as a, an AE and just see what happens. A lot of people might not think to do that, but he does do it in round eight. So if he's in your side round eight, plays the first game, just make sure you put him on your bench, put him as AE. If he goes off, you can obviously play him. But if he gets a duck, then you're a fair way ahead of the game. I know that's something Andrew loves to do. But worth noting on those real big elite guys to do something like that to try get an edge. But yeah, it's a shame he plays later in round seven because you could have done that exact play. But maybe you can put on your bench one of those double guys who isn't as good and have Matty Short as backup if needed. And if your bloke on your bench does do well early, then maybe you can sell him because you won't need him. So a few options yep. there. Speaking of flexibility, Andrew, I've been listening, mate. That's <laughs> 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 you just got to do it right. That's all <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, some, some big, big decisions we made. That decision itself could, I mean, is every chance at having a, a big impact on the overall title race because, you know, if you do sell him next week and his break even is sitting around 50-odd or and he goes bonkers and he hits that spot ton that Spy's talking about, people who do sell him might not be able to get him back in. So these are the risks you take. Uh, could pay off. It might not. Time will tell. Boys, the Hobart Hurricanes finally are relevant in Supercoach. They've had a little bit of relevance the last couple of rounds as we look towards this double game week. I myself am a McDermott owner and I bought in Nathan Ellis just as an AE on my bench leading this round. That was last round. But boys, we finally have them on the double. They won't be very highly owned. They'll probably There's a, a decent chunk, I think it's around 50%, might even be more, of Ben McDermott owners who bounced back to form for the first time with 53 off 34 Last game. Let's go through the targets that we that we like in this one. Uh, Benny McDermott, as I said, people sort of cotton on the fact that he's cheap. He's got that dual wicketkeeper batting. He looks a pretty solid buy. Matty Wade is under a little bit of an injury cloud. We'll find out, but hopefully, I, I think I saw that he was a day-to-day prospect for them. So hopefully by the double next round, he'll be good to go. Might even play in tonight's game. Uh, I'll start with you, Andrew. Matty Wade, Caleb Jewell, Mac Wright, who's batting at number three at the moment. He's actually gone ahead of Ben McDermott, who's dropped down the order. Any of those top three you fancy for for the double game week? Oh, look, though, any of them could be good picks. Um, I, it, It's a tough one. Because I've got McDermott, I probably won't look at one of the top three. I've got the number four because I'm only going to have room in my side for three, maximum four. Um Hurricanes, so I'd probably not go. Wade just scares me with his back injury. I, I like him and yeah. I want him in my team, but um, yeah, I just and yeah, looking at Jewel, he's capable of anything. So um, yeah, I, I, I just it, it's a tough one, but I think because I have McDermott, I probably won't go for any of their 
other ones yeah. up the top. And so you can make a case for any of them. Wade is the proven performer. He is informed. He has that bat concern. Caleb Jewell is high risk, high reward because he goes very, very hard. Coming off 31 of 20 balls last start as well. Mac Wright, he's arguably the informed player out of a lot of those guys. And again, now batting at number three. Spy, what about for yourself, mate? Mate, I actually really like Shoudry. Now he's bowling his four overs. He's been really good with the bat. Um, I just like that dual role. He wasn't in the three, but feel free to jump ahead, mate. It's all right. Disregard the question. <laughs> just jumping ahead here. Um, as, as always, I didn't probably listen to your question. I just, just wanted to speak about what I want to speak about. <laughs> but what I was going to say was I tried to list seven guys, my top five to seven, and I ended up with seven guys I could put in any order from the Hobart Hurricanes. It literally would not matter who I took. They could all do well. They could all fail. So for me, that tells me that you don't have to worry too much about getting the elite guys. So with like Perth, you want a lot of us wanted Aaron Hardy, Jai Richard, 170, these sorts of fellas. You could just pick three blokes, early 100s that can do a job for you next round. So money might not be as big an issue. Uh, honestly, like Shoudry, you spoke about Matt Wright, you've got your bowlers who you'll probably speak about in a second. There's not much between any of them. So that's pretty handy if you're short of cash. So that's a little bit, a little bit of a bonus there. Yeah, Shadri does look like a good one. Tim David, who's been pushed down currently to number six in this order. Now, you know, probably the best batsman in their team, give or take, you know, maybe Matty Wade, Matt Ben McDermott hasn't been in great form for sort of 18 months now. And he's batting at number six. Didn't even get a bat last start. Didn't need him in the end, but... Tim David, who he bowled a few overs. Uh, he might have been three overs a couple of rounds back, and we all got a little bit excited that if he kept bowling ahead of this round, could have been one, but uh, hasn't bowled since then. And batting at number six, just I don't understand why that bloke can't bat a little bit higher up the order. He's proven even at international level for Australia. Uh, Andrew Chowdhury, he's a big one. Bowled four overs last game, two for 26, economy of 6.5. He's batting at behind David, generally speaking, at about number seven. So there's some opportunities there. He's cheap. He will go up a fair bit after tonight's game. What are your thoughts on him? Because it is a good role. He's a promising rookie. Yeah, yeah, he's got the role and he looks looks good. I I, I think he could be a good play for someone to bring in. Um, and it's going to depend on everyone's team situation. But it, it's a risk because he is... You know, he's still a rookie in a lot of ways, so he's had a good start. Is that going to continue or is he going to have the bad game? Is that is that coming? And are you better off looking at a, um, Tim David if you're looking to take a punt because they're similar roles and they're going to be similar prices? Um, and David's certainly got the experience and we know he's capable of going huge. Um, yeah, it's I, I, I wouldn't mind one of those two on my team. Um, which one? Doesn't have to be Chowdhury. If David was batting at five and having bowled a little bit, the prospect of potentially bowling a little bit more, he's a bloke I would have nearly gambled on for the double as a super pod play. Batting at six, though, I can't go near him, Spy. Just worth noting, their second match of the double is at Adelaide Oval. We know how good that's been for batsmen this season so far, so that might be something that comes into consideration there. Maybe you do take a couple of blokes in the top order rather than bowlers if they were to play at, say, the showgrounds, for example, which they're not. So that's worth noting. Uh, the gather's probably reasonable enough for batsmen and bowlers, so I don't mind that. Um, but, yeah, just I've just got an eye on that Adelaide pitch this year, and if you're sort of putting someone in that does bat at number six, Will he even get a crack? Because there's been games there this season where there's two or three wickets in innings and only the top four blokes actually get much of a crack. So just worth noting. 
And that's it, mate. Around those decks, we look at three teams on the double. They're all just about on really batsman-friendly decks. The Hurricanes have got the Gabba and Adelaide. The Heat, both games at the Gabba, where there's been tons of runs out this season. Then the Perth Scorchers, they've got one at the Gabba and then probably the only dodgier wicket of the six, the six games or the six whatever, uh, is the Sydney Showground. So there you look at we're all going to be pretty heavily invested in the Scorchers as is, but it does... You know, we always have this preference towards certainly all-rounders, but definitely bowling all-rounders as well uh, to pay up for over batsmen. But with those debts, you know, guys like Colin Munro and Matty Wade, they come into the mix a, a fair fair bit. As for the bowlers, Andrew, look, you can make a strong case for all of them. Nathan Ellis, I own. I'm very happy about it. He's an absolute class bowler. He's bowling at the death. Chris Jordan has probably not been helped by the emergence of Chowdhury because he's gone ahead of him in the pecking order and pushed him back one, just limiting those batting opportunities, especially on those decks. He may not get a hit at all, as we saw last game. Paddy Dooley, I reckon he'll be in pod range, and Riley Meredith, who can take a pole on his day as well. If you're going a bowler, Andrew, which way are you leaning? Yeah, I've got Ellis in my team already. Um, I bought him in last week just because... Hobart were batting first, and I thought I was going to get a really cheap player to the death overs there from Alice, but it didn't work. But um, um, Meredith's hard to go past. He's a good bowler. Um, it's just if he can stay on the park. I, I just worry about him being rested. But, um, yeah, Meredith would be my – I think the best bowler in that team. Spike, go who's your pick of the bowlers? I said I like Nathan Ellis. Yeah, I'll go against Andrew on that one. I'll have a little uh, head-to-head challenge here, mate. I think Nathan Ellis is by far the pick of him. Uh, I actually figured out what went wrong for him last round. We award him in. Me and you got him, Andrew, and I thought, you beauty's going to clean up here. He even got that last over. Couldn't get a wicket. Looked over <laughs> now, mate. Tim brought him in over here, so no wonder he had absolute Barry the season he's having. Sorry, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so, boys. I... Uh, I also I also told Tom O'Aitken, the BBL Nine champion on last podcast, that he had absolute rocks in his head if he was going to bring in Laurie Evans when you've got three trades and all those gun scorches to go with. I'm like, there's not like he cannot be in a priority buy even at his price. Uh, he comes down, hits eighty off about seven balls. I'm like, yeah, sorry about that one, Tomo, but I think the great man brought him in anyway. So well played, sir. Doesn't that just sum up your season? But like, I find that's how super coach can go. Just at times <laughs> over a long career, you just have that month where it just all goes to dust, and you just got to have a bit of a laugh and brush it off and keep going. In answer to your question, though, I also really like Paddy Dooley. He's bowling some key overs. He's bowling quite late in the innings yep. when they got to have a crack at him. So. Yeah, I'm, I've already got Ellis and McDermott. I've probably only got room for one more, but maybe I'll make it two because um, I wouldn't mind Dooley in my, in my side there. It summed up my season uh, in that fixture last night, Scorchers and Strikers, where I'm just sitting there going, I don't really care what happens, just don't let Aaron Hardy go big. And he gets to about 30 runs, skies one. I'm like, you beauty, end of him. Thank God, like, crisis averted at least for one more game. Goes to Darcy Short, also in my team, straight through his mitts. Darcy Short, who's a renowned good fieldsman, puts him straight down. I just think, oh, God, here we go. Like, there, there's there's the uh, the Stallions, BBL 13 season. You nearly Thankfully, you nearly- Evans, who I did bag. I did bag, not by any fault of his own, just like batting deep in the order for the Scorchers, limited opportunities. Went on to face the next three overs consecutively, so Hardy didn't really face a ball there. 
Speaking of, Darcy Short, Timo, you've nearly killed the poor bugger. The bloke's barely dropped a catch in 10 years. Next minute, the bloke you need to get out, Sky's one, he doesn't even get a hand on it, hits him clear, clean in the head. <laughs> but luckily, it was all good. Uh, he did not even get a finger on it. But as, we, as we say, that's how it goes sometimes. Kuma Stallion's ending BBL career one post at a time. <laughs> one podcast at a time, I should say. <laughs> God. Uh, guys, we all know that sometimes in life you can uh, life can throw you a few sneaky wrongs from time to time, but uh, managing your debt can feel a bit like facing Brett Lee without a helmet. Fear not, though, because Paddy and George at Mortgage Choice SCW are the perfect pair to help come up with a game-changing strategy to consolidate your debt. Whether it's car loans, credit card debt, whatever it might be, the boys can help you knock it out of the park. So get in contact with them to help you take the stress out of your life. Usually, it'd cost you $129, but if you mention SC Playbook, it's completely free of charge. To do so, just flick them a message on their Instagram at patandgeorge underscore SCW, or you can give them a buzz on 02-9521-1611. No matter where you are based in Australia, email and all of those details are in each article on the website, scplaybook.com.au. Guys, the Brisbane Heat, the next side on the double haven't been too, too relevant since uh, their round one triple game week. And again, with both games and that Gabba deck, Andrew, it, it really brings into contention a couple of options in this side. Josh Brown, probably to a lesser degree, a decent pickup, but Colin Munro, we saw what he did there early in the season in, in that triple game week. Nathan McSweeney's looked really, really good. Matty Renshaw batting at number four. Who do you like in the top order here with those decks? Are you, are you looking at potentially going a bat-only option? Uh, with the double in both games in Brisbane, I am contemplating a bat-only. I'm... Um... I actually really like McSweeney. I've I liked the look of him. Mm. And I'm just waiting for him to go off. He hasn't gone off yet, but I, I just feel like a big score is is just around the corner. So um like like with um the hurricanes, you know, we've only got room for so many. The I do I would like to bring a couple of heat in next round just because they have that buy in the far in the final round. Um They'll be handy for some loops, so um, I'll, I'll bring some in. But who they are, I think from the batsman, yeah, McSweeney's good. Um, otherwise, you're probably looking down at their bowlers. You're looking at Bartlett, one of the spinners, mm. um, probably lead, I think. Yeah, when we look at these two sides, the Hurricanes have probably the, the better looping draw for the final couple of rounds after that double. But again, not without uh, merit for the Heat 2. Spy, who do you like there? I know you're a big fan of McSweeney, so I dare say he'll be on your radar. Yeah, Andrew letting the cat out of the bag for me. Thanks, mate. That's all right. Uh, I, I agree on McSweeney. What I like about him, he probably doesn't score quite as quick as some other guys that you can get in and you're just praying they get to 20. But he does look like the kind of bloke that can just get himself up to 60, 70, 80 any match without really taking many risks. I've also seen him, seen him explode before on occasion, so we know he's got it in him. He can also bowl a little bit. That probably won't happen with the Heat, the way their lineup's going at the moment, but he is capable. Uh, so I really like McSweeney. I just think he's a class act. Uh, so hopefully if I do bring him in, and for those that – that might follow, you can knock out a really big score in one of the matches and maybe follow it up with a, a 30 or 40 next game. So I like McSweeney. Paul Walters, top of the list, I think, just with his role, he looks class. And then I've just jotted down Xavier Bartlett. Uh, he's expensive, though. So, look, maybe he turns into somewhat of a pod Bartlett, given his price tag. So maybe you can get him in. But 
I mean, you're taking a risk at his price, I think, to to back that he keeps doing it. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I think Swepson and Kuhneman sort of speak for themselves. They got a few wickets in them, but they're probably not high upside players, but you know, they'll do a job for you. Uh, the other one's Colin Munro. Started the season with him. He went off with a 99, and I think he got in a bit confident in his own head because he's basically tried to hit every first ball for six since, and he keeps getting out. So if he just pulls it back a little bit, uh, we know what he's capable of. So Munro at a reduced price could be a goer. You got somewhere to be or something inspired. We were talking about the top four, and you've just rated off the whole team in their reserve grade squad. Yeah. Well, you sent sent through the agenda, and I've started ranking the players based on what you asked for. So I'm just going through my notes. <laughs> you can you can tell me if you disagree. That's all right, man. That's all right. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that McSweeney uh, is nearly exploded uh, recently, and he's about to explode. He nearly did literally explode when him and tall Paul Walter oh. were going at each other at 100,000 kilometres an hour, nearly recreating one of cricket's darkest moments on field. Shout out Steve War. They nearly, I was going to say they nearly killed each other. Tor Paul wasn't going far. McSweeney nearly got obliterated. Thankfully, they dodged that one spot. It was actually terrifying. Saw that happening and as, as funny yeah. as it is now because they missed, that would not have been good. So also, he held onto it. What a catch. The batsman will be absolutely filthy, whoever scored that yeah. one. Like, come on, guys. But yeah, that was that could have been horrible, but good on him for a little right foot step at the end there and away they went. Tall Paul saw him with about a millisecond before contact and just pulled away, thank God. Oh. We nearly lost two, despite uh, obviously first concerns with their own welfare, but nearly lost two key players for the uh, the B, for the Brisbane Heat double. <laughs> I don't mind Colin Munro of the two. I just think he's got runs this tournament. As you said, Spy, some big games coming up for the Heat and he's been trying to hit it uh, into Rose Zed from about his first ball. I think he's the skipper of the side. I think he's going to rein things in. Not a lot because he's a big hitter. That's the way he plays the game. He's aggressive. He's striking 155 for the tournament. But I think he'll be aware of it. He'll be disappointed in a couple of failures. On that deck, I like Colin Munro. But, look, I'm not against even potentially going with both of them there uh, for it on that Gabba deck. And, yeah, I'm with you, Spy. Tall Paulie Walter. I went, thankfully, with Overton over Tor Paul a few rounds back, which has paid dividends big time. But with his role, I find him pretty hard to pass up. Where do you sit on him, Andrew? Yeah, I've got him. I'm keeping him. I'm happy with him. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the perfect roles for Supercoach. What about um, Xavier Bartlett, Andrew? Another one with a good role, and he's just really coming to his own. He's had solid moments in the past in the Big Bash, but this season in particular – just seems to be putting it all together. Not a lot of opportunities with the bat, but he's looked right when he has. A bloke you'd be willing to bring in or, again, another very pricey one? Yeah, he's a pricey one. It's, he's an interesting one because I looked at him at the start of the year and I just I wasn't a huge fan. When he had that good year a couple of years mm. ago, he, he was getting a lot of runs with the bat. Um, Brisbane were collapsing and he was coming in and batting early and he was getting a lot of points due to his batting. And I, th- I think um, I didn't rate his bowling as much as I should have, it was ordinary um, but I've quite liked what I've seen this year, yeah. and, and I've um, I quite like what I see. So he, I'd certainly like love him for the double, the way he's going. But like you said, the price that might we spoke earlier about whether we sell short, <laughs> keep short. That might be one of those decisions. If we sell short, we can afford him. He's almost one of the ones where you 
you sort of, if you're keen on him, you kind of want him to be that little bit extra to deter people from getting him so that you do get him in somewhat of a pod range. Uh, Spy, you touched on him before. Your mixed thoughts? I was actually just going to say, amongst my monologue there, where I just gave myself my own segment about the Brisbane Heat, I forgot to mention their, their second games against the Scorchers. So if you compare the second games of mm. both on the doubles, you've got Adelaide who are batting on the Adelaide Oval and you've got Brisbane playing against the Scorchers. So we know how good the Scorchers can be and what they can do to side. So that's worth noting as well. And maybe that does mean the sway does go towards the Hobart Hurricanes and maybe you go with two Brisbane Heat guys, something like that example, then you can hold them for the loop in round nine. But just worth noting, on Bartlett, I'm going to shout out to my main man, Maxie Bryden. It's not an early shout out. I wanted him for round one and he talked me out of it. So I was a bit off him for a few weeks, but then Maxie got me back on board with Jack Edwards and he's made me a bunch of cash, scored me some points. So uh, we're back in the good books, man, Maxie. Don't worry about that. But Bartlett, he's just got an ability to get points. He just does something, whether it's a couple of late wickets, whether he gets a bat, uh, he's got it in him. It does mean you could potentially pay like 200K for someone that could not score you very much. He's got that in him, but look, he's, you know, he keeps getting it done at the moment. Yeah, well, I'll bring that Pelican Max Bryden straight back down to earth. <laughs> I was going to start the season with Mitch Swepson, and the, uh, look, I have so much respect for Max's cricketing mind, and then all of a sudden, oh, Ben Menenti this, Ben Menenti that, number one spinner in South <laughs> Australia. Ben Menenti over Mitch Swepson, that cost me, oh, probably about 3,000 places. <laughs> Nah, just mess with you, Maxie. We can't wait to get you back on. He's had the last week in Bali, so he's had the feed up, drinking cocktails, bintangs, whatever the beer they serve is over there. Uh, he will be back on deck before the end of season. Boys, on the bowlers, Andrew, Swepson, Kuhneman, Johnson, Michael Nisa, who has seemingly fallen off the face of the earth in terms of supercoach and just within the Brisbane ranks out of nowhere, uh, any of those boys should consider for the double? Yeah, just... Um... Just before we, we look at that, I just wanted to um, talk about the draw that Spy touched on earlier. Um, a good example of the next round, we've got those three teams on the double. Brisbane play the other two teams that have got a double. So to me, that makes them a little bit less attractive. However, they play both games at home, which goes on their their side, and then they've got the bye in the final round of the season. So having a couple of Brisbane players is probably handy. So I think it's getting the balance and it's how teams are going to be balanced from this round with the number of scorches they're carrying as to whether they're going to lean more towards Brisbane players or Hobart players or, you know, what they do. I've seen teams with like eight and nine scorches in them this round. So um, I don't know what they're doing next round, probably a few correctional trades, I imagine. But I think the fact that Brisbane play the two other teams on the double, I've said it before, it makes them a little bit less attractive to me. Um, a good example from last night, we won't know until the round's over, but when you've got a lot of players playing in the one match, these players won't do well. And there was, last night's a classic example, a couple of players who who, um, who aren't in a lot of teams took, took the big pie of the points last night and the rest sort of had to share the rest. And as a result, anyone that went really heavy in, in scorches um, probably have paid a little bit of the price, probably haven't quite done as well as they wanted, but, you know, they're good players, so they've still got a reasonable score. But, um, yeah, it's something to consider with Brisbane. Yeah, that's it. All good and well going hard at one round, and you have good round rank for that. But 
as we know, and Andrew, you, I think you're the master at it. It is playing the draw, playing the fixtures, and you set yourself up pretty poorly for, for following rounds if you have. So it's all about thinking ahead this game. There is a bit to it, uh, but it is, it is worthwhile if you, you read the content, you listen to it, you put in your own homework uh, and do your planning ahead. Boys, on to the Perth Scorchers and... I suppose we'll just talk about what we've learned because uh, on our last podcast, we spoke in depth about the Scorchers. So I don't think there's probably going to be a lot to add, but uh, Spire, I think a lot of teams out there, you know, might be sitting on five Scorchers players at the moment. That fifth for a lot of teams might be someone like Cooper Connolly. Because they are such a class act, they don't have any buyers to come could you, you know, they're on the double game again. Could you look to add another scorcher? Let's say you're missing, let, let's say something like Laurie Evans and, and he's going well, there's money to be made. Or let's say you don't own Aaron Hardy, but you've, got, you've sold Matty Short and you've got a bit of a kitty and you want Aaron Hardy. Could you add another scorcher to your team or do you look to share the load and the scoring load and look to get someone uh, from the Heat or the Hurricanes? Yeah, it all depends on numbers, mate. I'll be taking in five or six. If you're sort of anywhere... Up to the six mark, I wouldn't be someone who's looking to add a seventh or eighth. I think that's probably overkill. But if you're sitting at like four or five, yeah, I think there's no harm in adding another one for the double. As you said, maybe you do go Matty Short to Aaron Hardy if you don't own him, just as an example. Blake's got the double next round. Um, You'll make money off it. So I'm not against adding a scorcher, but most of us will be probably pretty flush with them that you don't need to. Um, it's an interesting one. Laurie Evans is the one, the classic super coach players, you don't chase points. In saying that, if you can pick him up at, what, 80K and sell someone who's finished their doubles and cash in that 130K, maybe that then allows you to bolster the rest of your squad. So in that scenario, I'm not totally against it, but obviously you don't want to be chase, relying on him scoring that again. You just go in knowing you're getting a bike on the double at 80K who could do some sort of job for you. That would be purely to free up money. Um, outside of that, I don't mind any any of the bowlers, like, you know, Ty, Richo and all them. They're still at good prices. So if you need someone on the double next round and you're not sure who to go, um, yeah, I still think it's fine to add one of those sort of pretty elite guys in Richo, Ty, these sort of fellas in the mid sort of 150 to 170 region if you want to bolster up your squad. Yeah, I'm not too keen on the idea of adding another scorch to your roster. I think there are a couple of exceptions. One being Aaron Hardy, because of what we know he is capable of, gets he'll be still be expensive regardless of what happens in the Scorchers second game. That being said, I'm still looking at players with you know doubles to come and players from other teams. So I probably wouldn't be looking maybe Hardy. Maybe Hardy. Um the thing I was going to get to. Five games in 10 days for the Scorchers. There is resting among the quick bowling ranks to come. They've got Maddie Kelly waiting in the wings. It's going to happen. And it could happen to any of them on any given time. So I think it's going to be a big watch that team list for game two for the Scorchers. But let's say Jai Richardson gets a rest or Jason Berendorf, AJ Ty, and you don't own them. That makes them a big chance of playing the double next round. Maybe you could lean towards getting someone like that mm. because the chance of playing the double um, is is strengthened. Andrew, how do you sit on it, mate? I suppose how many scorches do you have and could you make oh, – I said I'm pretty well against it, but would you look to add another scorcher if the player was right and the circumstances were right? Yeah, I've got six. Um, I don't think I want any more, but I could swap scorches depending on what happens next round. Um, I'm really worried about them resting one of their quicks. Um, you know, fingers crossed 
the first resting doesn't happen in the next game, but the first game of the following round, and then we can either trade that player out or, or like you said, if it does happen, um, at least we can be rest assured they play two games next time. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not against bringing another scorcher in, but it'd be probably a, a bit of a sideways trade to do it. I'd probably trade a scorcher out to bring another one in. Yeah, I feel like within these two double game rounds, the reality is that just about all the quicks are going to get a rest. I'm thinking in the fact that there's four games, the fifth game within the 10 days is when it goes back to, I believe it'll be round eight and it'll be their single game week and someone might get off there. So someone might jag all four games of the double and I just hope that it is Jai Richardson or AJ Ty Spy. I'm that nervous about Joe Richardson in the second game of the double. He's my Please punt. play. I did take the punt knowingly, and I'm, it's not someone old captain twice in a row over the four, but I've, I've rolled the dice there. Uh, in saying all that, the next round, their first game of the double, we'll know the lineup, which is perfect, uh, before we make our trades there. So yeah. it's at the Sydney showground. Pretty good place to attack a Scorchers bowler there. So might be worth keeping that in mind as well. And that's the thing, mate. We'll get to skippers shortly, but you know, for anyone who does potentially get rested, that that team list for the second game it'll impact skippers big time. Because let's say, God forbid, Richo or Berendorf, wherever it is, does get a rest in the second game, the double it'll make them a really strong captaincy option, I think, for their second double being in round seven. Uh, before we sort of move on from the scorches, and, and you both mentioned that you're not against the idea of bringing someone in and adding another scorcher, Andrew. Is there anything you'd like to add around the scorches and what we saw from their first game of the double? Uh, I think there was no surprises surprises to me. You know, <laughs> Morris got his five wickets, so we've missed that one. <laughs> no point chasing chasing him now. Um, no, look, we know they're a quality side and they, they just show it again and again, don't they? And it'll be a different batsman turns up next match. Uh, it'll rotate around. I think you just pick who you feel confident with and go for it. It astounded me, and, and I don't know, I'm guessing because you're both diehards of the game that you've looked at this, but I didn't actually check up on this bloke until this morning. Actually, I might have done it at about 3 o'clock this morning when I woke up and was in a panic about not owning Lance Morris, but <laughs> his ownership. Have you, Spy, have you managed to have a look at it? I haven't, but I did tell the Spy's wife to get him, but carry on. What, in the top 5% of overall ranked teams, what ownership do you think Lance Morris is at? Four. That is a phenomenal guest. 4.4. Lovely. I thought he'd be well <laughs> I knew he was well I couldn't believe he was at four. Um, just because I knew he wasn't yeah. I knew he wasn't above 20 because he wasn't in that list yet. So I actually I had him in my side about an hour from the game. I just did a little tinker with my original trades. I then went on to Crick Info and had a look at his career record in T20s. It's not actually that good. So I took him out. Uh, I'm happy to back that. Like most of the time your career record's gonna pay dividends. It's not that good. We know he's capable, though, last night, and I've seen him bowl. He looks so awesome, but um, maybe it's just a case that he plays with the Scorchers and he gets his wickets stolen off him. But, yeah, if, if you actually look at his overall record, it's not great in terms of wicket-taking just at this point of his career. So I steered off him, but, gee, I wish I stayed. Um, he's quick, isn't he? He's just uh, he's exciting. I love quick bowlers. Yeah, I was looking at the ownership leading into the round and sort of saw him short enough. I thought, oh, you know, inevitably as people make their trades and lock them in before the round starts, he'll get up to that 15%, 20%. Couldn't believe he stayed at 4%. So congratulations to, the, to everyone, anyone that did jump on for his Pfeiffer. And uh, all I can say is I hope he gets a rest in the second game for them. 
Now, boys, <laughs> let's get on to our trades and skippers for round seven. Uh, I did want to note as well for anyone who hasn't cottoned onto it, but you'll need a Renegades player or obviously a non-active player in your squad for any looping purposes, in particular the vice-captaincy loophole. You know, running anywhere from nine to, to 11 sort of double game week players likely in your team. There's probably not going to be a heap of opportunity for auto-emergency looping. There might be a chance for one or two, but you will likely want it for your vice-captaincy loophole. So uh, if you're sitting there and if this comes out about 20 minutes before the game tonight and you're trading out a renegade and you can flick something around, you will want ideally a renegade in your team. Uh, Andrew, I'll start with you, mate. And you don't have have to give all your secrets away this close to the uh, the end of the title, the title race, I should say. But, uh, mate, what are you looking at for... For round seven, trades and skippers at this stage. Well, I, I, it's I'm just sorry. I'm just pulling up the draw to. I'll throw Andrew to the spy, and then I'll do mine. You can do your, your homework in in the background, and we'll get to you in a second. Yeah, right. yeah. So, boys, I'm having a look spy. at adding in Shoudry, probably McSweeney, and then I need to get Maxi back in. I sold him this week just to accommodate what I wanted to do. So that's my three trades. That will give me, without looking at my side right now, it's either, I think it's nine on the double next round. And then I'll have Maddie Short and Maxwell available as 10 and 11, which is beautiful. But I'll obviously loot where possible with those guys just to get a, a double crack at them for the single round guys. But pretty excited about next week. Nine pretty quality players, hopefully, uh, with a couple of absolute stud single round guys to do it. Um in terms of VC, Hobart play the first game, so we're going to have a free look there, providing you do have a looping opportunity via a renegade or a non-player. And it's hard to say. I might just go a top. Well, well, we'll have a spy there. We'll have the Heat and the Hurricanes in game two. So you can VC there and see your Perth player. Yeah, so that's the plan. And I'll probably do a top order bloke just in case they go mental. Like, a, you know, whoever I've got up the top order there, see if they get a ton. But I don't mind someone like a Shoudry either in case this comes out and knocks out an 80 or 90 with a game in hand. And then Skipper's interesting. I've written down Jai Richardson again, but look – what we just spoke about with the resting risks, I think it would be bold for me to do it twice in a row. Um, obviously, if he was to miss the second game of this round, I'd lock him in immediately, bowling at the showgrounds with the second game in hand. But yeah, I'm just going to keep that up my sleeve. Not too sure yet. That risk of rotation is playing on my mind. So hopefully my vice captain just goes crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, decision to be made there. Not sure yet. Yeah, I think you'd be mad as a cut snake to uh, to skipper someone, one of the, the Scorchers quicks who have played both games this round. And, and I'm a bit with you, Spy. I'm looking at VC, Paulie, Walter, and then my C, you know, God forbid that one of my, my Scorchers quicks in Tyler Richo get rested for game two. But if either of them do, I'd probably look to captain them uh, for the round seven double. Uh, coming out, oh, sorry, leaving my side will likely be Darcy Short, Sammy Harper, uh, cash him in at about $50,000, and then getting in one or, sorry, the other one that will go out just to facilitate trades, especially if I am going to upgrade Sammy Harper at his price, Overton or Maddie Short, one of the big dogs dropping out, and I'm pretty tempted just to have a bit of a swing at it and get rid of Maddie Short and just see see if that can can send the Stallions up the range. Probably do the complete opposite, but just take a little bit of a gamble there and just really strengthen my squad across the board. Uh, yeah, Walter coming in. I'm pretty keen on Munro with his two games at the Gabba. 
My third trade really up in the air, but I'm eyeing a few different guys. Shoudry is one definitely on my radar, especially if he performs tonight, bowls his four overs, gets a bit of a hit with the willow. Uh, potentially him, Bartlett, Matty Wade, Andrew mentioned earlier, but that back issue is a little bit of a concern for Matty Wade. Andrew, trade skippers, how are you looking? Yeah, I'm pretty well set for number of players on the double next round, so I only really need to look at bringing in one player, maybe two. Um, so I've, I'm i actually keen to get Sam's back into my side, so I'm looking to do that next round. Um he could be a good loop option. Maxwell plays first, so I reckon I'll have Maxwell on the bench with the E on him. If he goes well, he'll come on. Otherwise, I'll field Sam's instead of him, and then I'll have 10 doubles going with those guys. So the ones on the doubles that I'm looking at, I mentioned McSweeney early. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like he's about to go off, and <laughs> it'd be good to see. And I also I mentioned Meredith. I, I like if, if, if Hobart are bowling first in that first match, I may well look at Meredith. If Brisbane are bowling first, I might might look at Bartlett and way up between those two. Um, but, you know, <laughs> there's a bit to happen now before that round's starting, but that's probably yeah. where my thoughts are at at the moment. Uh, and what about your skippers, mate, VC and C? Yeah, I think it'd be hard not to put the VC on Walter, given his role and, and they're playing first. And then, you know, who, who do you pick at Perth? I mean, Hardy's probably got the best role to put the captaincy on. Um, it's probably depending where I'm sitting, how much of a risk I want to take. We spoke about their bowlers before. If I'm feeling confident about a bowler playing two matches, maybe I'll put the captain on him if I want to be a bit different to everyone. Very good, mate. Let's get into our listener questions before we wrap up the episode. Uh, and the first one comes from Ross Mann, and it touches on a bloke we just spoke about, and it was he asks, is it too late to get on board Lance Morris for their round seven double? So... You know, we, as we had a bit of a chat about him, but there's probably going to be money to be made there. I mean, it'd, I wouldn't go near him if he plays this next game just because likely if he doesn't go large, again, it'll impact break even as well, but just that risk of resting. But certainly if he does rest in the second game, looks likely to play the double spy, you know, you could do a lot worse than Lance Morris. Well, if he happened to miss that second game of this current round, He'd come in with the lowest of break-evens on the double, make a heap of cash, yep. play both games. Yeah, don't mind that in that case. Uh, on the flip side, if he plays game two, um, his big score will roll out of his average halfway through the double round. Uh, I do feel like you're chasing yep. points. But again, like I said before, if you don't have a heap of Perth guys and you've got like, say, an extra Adelaide, say you've got four or five Adelaide guys, whatever it may be, and you're looking to send one of them to another bloke, then yeah, get on. Get on a bloke like that. He's going to make you cash, wicker-taking ability over someone from Brisbane or Hobart. But, yeah, for most of us who have plenty of scorches, not something I'll really be looking to do, but circumstances may dictate that it's an mm. option if it suits your side. Yeah. Yeah, very feasible trade in. Morris, I said that I wasn't overly keen on them, but said with the money be made there and likelihood of playing the double if he misses game two, not a bad one there. Question from Jason B. I can only assume Jason Berendoff has written into the show. Is the Hobart game likely to be Quinton de Kock's last? Uh, it is, yes. Uh, to my, Well, not to my knowledge, it is. He's going over to the South African T10, T20 tournament starting shortly. So tonight's game, as we record, will be de Kock's last. And the spy is backing him in for a ton. His big Jason. Boy, he's Adam his, Sargent. Oh, sorry to jump in. His big Barrow a bit worried about bowling to Quinton after his ton tonight, finding some form. He's written in early. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind it. Just thinking ahead, Jarrow. 
And I'm glad he's come to us for clarification as well. Straight past the coaching staff. Love to see it. Adam Sargent has asked, who's your Uber pod player for round seven for a Hail Mary play? I will kick us off. I found the bad boy himself of BBL 13. Tommy Curran is at 0.8% ownership among the top 10% of overall ranked teams. Less than a percentage. No doubles for the Sixers to come. I believe they have a pretty decent looping draw coming up. Uh, but Tommy Curran, because he missed those games, he's sort of been out of sight, out of mind, at least in terms of super coach, certainly not in terms of the headlines. But look, he's got a terrific batting role there. We know he can hit a big ball. I think he's one of the best bowlers in the competition. So, you know, if you're pretty well set up for double game week as next round, Tommy Carr, I think he's a good little buy there. Spy, who'd you come up with? Uh, my main man, Caleb Jewell, would be the Uber pod. Um, I will have a good look at bringing him in. He gets to bat on that Adelaide deck. Don't mind him playing at the Gabba either. He, he could go off. Uh, Julie's class act, he scores quickly. So if you could get two scores over 20, he's going to score pretty well. Yeah, does not hold back the little fella. Uh, Andrew, did you find anyone? Yeah, look, I've already mentioned him, but McSweeney's only in 2% of teams at the moment. And um, the other one, I just think with two games up at the Gabba, the other one maybe for a sneaky pot is only in 0.4% of teams is uh, Big Brown. JB. Yeah. Yeah. The bat. Two, two, two hits opening the bat. Who knows? Yeah, massive play. A few good little cheeky options there. Round seven, the Sixers play the opening game, if you're looking uh, Tommy Curran-wise. Round eight, they play the second game, so very lootable in both those games. Round nine plays in the third game of the round. Uh, And the last question comes from our very own, he's caught a bit of a blast on this podcast, but Maxie Bryden. And I'll put you on the spot here, Andrew, because I haven't given you a heads up on this one. It was a late late submission for questions via Instagram. But Maxi asks, who are the top five single game week players Andrew is holding to finish the season? Doesn't necessarily have to be the top five, but uh, of the single game weekers, who are the blokes you're looking to, to hold on to? I know you mentioned Dan Sams. Sorry, Dan Sams will have the double in the final round. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, so I, the ones on, well, Maxwell goes without saying. Try and hold him. Sam's, I'm I'm holding on. I I would ideally hold on to Matt Short, see the season out for his singles. Um, uh, Walter has got the role at the moment, so hold on to him. How many is that? Four. Four. You haven't mentioned James Bradley um, yet, mate. No, no, no. I'm, <laughs> um, I can't get him out of my team quick enough. Let's trade one next round. <laughs> I just hope he gets named for their second match this this round. Um, yeah, so I, I, any of those sort of big guns that have got the dual roles, I think you, you can hold on to them. They're, they're gold in the single rounds when they play. Yeah, Stoinis is an interesting one. You know, having said that, he's in my team and I'm half thinking of trading him out to a thunder to just improve my team. But he's got a, he's bowling at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> he's batting a bit low, but he, he's got a big score in him, I reckon. He's been a bit expensive, but he's looked good with the ball as well. I think at the very least, the Stars play game one next round, and he just looks a wonderful looping option. The last game of round eight, a little bit harder, and game two in the final round. So very loopable, the big stoin. Uh, Andrew, one thing, other thing I want to touch on, I believe you still have Sam Harper in your team, as do I, just because a hard one to get rid of. Uh, and in another chat of ours, it might have been in the WhatsApp group, it might have been in the playbook chat, but 
you mentioned that you might just sit in there as dead wood. Obviously, you don't loop him. You don't really play him for the rest of the season. But because there's not a lot of value in him, is he a bloke that you're just going to run out the season with or are you trying to get rid of him? Uh, I think I'll just let him sit on the bench, <laughs> let him rot away. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the stars do play early, so sit him on the bench, put the E on him, who knows. Oh. He comes out and he takes, you know, there's a hot wicket he plays on and he gets four caught behinds and a stumping or something. He doesn't need to bat. He might get a decent score. Well, he's not even getting he's not even getting wicket keeper points. Mate, he's come off three zeros in a row, which all three contributed towards the Stallions game week scores. Uh, absolutely dead to me, boys. Let's wrap that up for this week's podcast. Spy, thank you very much, mate. Thanks, fellas. Good fun as always, Andrew. Good luck with the finish, mate. Um, cheering mm. for you for three in a row, barring my miracle comeback. Uh, from just behind you there. And Timo, hopefully uh, he can dust up the cobwebs and finish strong, mate. I was going to say, uh, Andrew's Andrew's non-existent podcast feed be going up pretty quickly if he goes back to back to back. <laughs> that being said, if he banks another 25K, I don't think it's going to worry him too much. Andrew, thank you very much, mate. No, thanks for having me. A lot of fun as always. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to die without a fight, but um, yeah, it's going to be a fight if I was to win it again. Let's, let's just get through this round first. <laughs> Yeah, this sounds eerily similar to two rounds left last season when I had Andrew on the podcast and he was sitting in about 12th and said he can't do it. And I said, you're dreaming. Two weeks later, look where we were. Uh, that is it for the Round 7 Supercoach BBL SC Playbook podcast, guys. Good luck this round and have a ripper of a week. Cheers. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.